0: Welcome back in Priority Talk Radio. Greg Davis here with you, of course, and uh, wishing you a, a very happy and safe and blessed Fourth of July as we uh, celebrate over the long weekend. I'm quite sure for many, hope you are just doing wonderful wherever you may be and whenever you may be listening to this in different formats, uh, radio or podcast. We are excited to uh, talk more about the founding of our nation. Uh, our our documents, uh, the people, the places, uh, what it all really means and what it all really meant with Judge Mark Boonstra. Uh, He has uh, written a beautiful uh, three-set book, three-set series of books in their own words is volume number three. I'm looking at it. It's absolutely wonderful. and We've got so much to talk about. Uh, Judge Boonstra, we appreciate you being with us, sir. Thank you so much,
1: Greg, and I appreciate you having me.
0: Yes, now tell me
1: and thank you for all of your work i want to make sure i thank you for all of the work you're doing
0: well we appreciate it we're we're not we're uh, we're talking a lot i wouldn't say we're working real hard but we're talking a lot uh <laughs> but uh tell us about yourself now you're a, you're a judge there on the michigan court of appeals uh, just give us your your quick story and uh love to know um you know kind of just learn more about you since it's your first time to be on the program
1: yeah uh thank you for that um yeah, I'm a West Michigan boy. I grew up in Muskegon. I live currently in the Holland, Michigan area, right over on the lakeshore. You're going to think this um, is
0: funny, Mark, but I've been to Muskegon. Have you really? I sure have. <laughs> Got a buddy there named Jim Keck. Do you know Jim? Uh, not that I recall. Okay, we'll have to catch up on that another time. But I've All been right. to Muskegon and the lakeshore. Sure have. Yep, go ahead. Yeah.
1: So, um... Uh, yeah, so I, after, a, after a, you know several decades practicing law, uh, I was appointed in 2012 uh, by our then-Governor Rick Snyder to the Michigan Court of Appeals, and I've been serving there ever since. Uh, the Michigan Court of Appeals is what we call our intermediate appellate court, so we are the court that hears all appeals from all trial courts in the state of Michigan, uh, circuit courts and probate courts. Uh, of all different uh, various types of actions from criminal actions to civil actions to family law actions to tax cases to everything you could imagine in the state court system comes up on appeal to my court and we sit in panels of three judges and decide those cases. Uh, we're, we're sort of the final say on most cases because most cases don't go any further, but if they do go further, if they're appealed from our court, they go up to the Michigan Supreme Court the difference is they have the right to decide which cases to take, whereas mm-hmm. we we take all of the cases that come to us, and they naturally take only a small percentage of them. Uh, so that's what I've been doing since 2012, other than uh, in my spare time working on my books.
0: <laughs> well, I hear you. T- tell folks, I, I, I uh, did my best to describe them. I'm, I've am i got volume three. T- tell folks about your vision for these, these uh, three sets of books, and we'll tell folks how they can get them as well.
1: Yeah. So, um, you know, and my my original vision was not uh, going to be a, a three volume set of books. It was going to be a book. Uh, and candidly, I don't think I truly fully appreciated the scope of what I was taking on when I began the project. But the reason I started looking into this, and, and it and it and it was an eight year project, actually. Um, that's how long ago I started working on this. But uh, the reason I did is because even back then, I was just beside myself uh, with frustration and concern for our country and what what appeared to me uh, what had become of our country compared to what it had been intended to be. And I, and I, and I had come to the conclusion that we had just strayed so very, very far uh, in so many ways from what our founding fathers intended us to be as a country and i i came to the conclusion that there was one fundamental underlying reason for all of the ways in which that had happened and that was that we had lost god and 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 and, and you know it's not taught anymore but the truth is and that's what i've tried to give here is the truth the truth is that God and a belief in our Creator and in our need for His guidance in our society, in our government, in every aspect of our lives was absolutely fundamental to the founding of this country. It's why, it's why this country was founded, uh, and, uh, and, and I think we've lost that, and instead modern-day society is trying to banish God from every aspect of our society. And, and, and because of that, what I really set out to do was my own small part in bringing to light the truth. Uh, Not so much to give my opinions, but to give people factual, honest, truthful information about our founding, and in particular with regard to the importance of religion in our society, in the minds of our founders. And so what I started to do... I started, well, the first thing I had to do was to define who our founding fathers were, and you can do that in lots of ways, but what I decided to do was to take everyone who signed at least one of our three founding documents, the Declaration of Independence, the Articles of Confederation, which initially governed the nation, and then the United States Constitution, which replaced the Articles. And and this is why I didn't appreciate I was going to need three volumes to do this. But as you might imagine, that's a lot of information, because there were 118 men who signed at least one of those three documents. Two signed all three. Twenty-one, I think, signed two or mo- two of them in various combinations. But uh, what I did is I researched each one of those people, and there's a chapter on each one of those signers. mm mm-hmm. um, Uh, And I provided a biography of that person, but a a relatively short biography, anywhere from two to 30 pages or so, focused primarily on their religious lives and backgrounds, what they did and what they believed from a religious perspective. And then once you have that information, I follow up the biography with a series of quotations from that person. Uh, And it might be from a letter from a speech, from a diary entry, from a proclamation, if they were a governor or a president, uh, all sorts of things, you name it. And and I wanted to provide it, and hence the title of the book, In Their Own Words, I wanted to provide information, what they said in their own words, about religion and its place in our society and its importance to our country and our nation. Um, And then, because You know, candidly, I don't know that most people may care what I think about any of this, but I thought they ought to care what our founding fathers believed. And so I wanted to provide factual biographical information, quotations of what they said in their own words, and then in each chapter I give one example from modern-day America of something that's gone on in the last few years. You know, uh, and it's a whole range of things. There's one in each chapter. But instead of telling the reader then what I think the answers are, I'm just putting information out there and drawing a contrast and asking people, imploring people really, to learn about our history and to think for yourselves what we should be as a country, what we were founded to be, and how do we right the ship.
0: Well, we've got something in common now, I didn't go as far as you did, but here on this program. Probably eight years ago, nine years ago, maybe, uh, I, uh, I took a whole year, basically, and every Friday, I had a Founding Fathers Friday uh, portion of the program, and I went through the 56 signers of the Declaration, oh. and, uh, and did, uh, oh, 15 to, to 20, 25 minutes on each one of them, uh, best I could. And, and I'll tell you, I wish I would have had your volumes of work, uh, it would have made <laughs> my job a lot easier. Because, yeah. Mark, as you probably found out, there there's very little um, comprehensive work on this. I mean, there's a few things here and there, but for the most part, I was uh, just having some of these folks, it, you know, of course, you've got Thomas Jefferson and Ben Franklin and people like that. There's volumes on them. But mm-hmm. some of these signers uh, were of just the declaration, those 56. It was hard to uh, hard to track down much information on them. Did you find that to be true as well? Well, th- yes, it, it depends on who they were. Obviously, yes. you're right. I
1: mean, that's for some people, we all knew who the, the, you know, the big names are, and, and there are you know, multiple biographies written about them. But a lot of these people you've never heard of. And, and yes, I had to dig and dig to find information mm-hmm. about some of these people. But one of the fascinating things that I found was that each and every one of them, whether you've heard of them or not, uh, has their own fascinating story. And, and, and more than that, uh, to a man, and, you know, regrettably, this was the 1700s. They all were men today. I'm sure there would be some women, but um, to a man, they were Christians. Yep. Um, That's you what know, I they found. Wanna tell you, they want to tell you today, they want to teach our kids, oh, they were just a bunch of deists, they weren't really Christians. Well, don't believe it. It isn't true. Were there differences? Sure, there were differences. There were different denominations involved. And you mentioned Jefferson. You know, we have to, we have to acknowledge Jefferson, although, although I would say he was a Christian, he was unconventional in some ways. Yep. And he is in your volume three, but I, I describe him in, the, in that book as uh, the intellectual of his day in all of its good senses and bad senses, meaning he was very smart, he was very um, educated. Um, but, you know, as with modern-day intellectuals, I would suggest, They think they're so smart that if they can't figure it out for themselves and comprehend it with their own human mind, limited though you and I know it is, then they may not accept some things. So Jefferson was one of those who didn't accept certain things in Christianity that you and I take on faith because he couldn't reason his way to understand them. But yet, he was a Christian. He would describe himself as a Christian. Sure. He was a member of two church vestries uh, in Charlottesville, Virginia. He founded his own church, the Calvinistical Reformed Church, um, and uh, and you know, to his dying day, he considered himself a member of the flock of Reverend Frederick Hatch's church, um, who he paid uh, he paid to tutor his children. In fact, I I was writing an article right now about education in America and what they had to say about education, and I was reminded as I was doing that, when Jefferson was president, um, he was also president of the school board of the District of Columbia Public Schools. And at that time, they authorized the use of the Bible in the public schools in the District of Columbia. Where are we today? Mm. You can't even talk about God in the public schools.
0: Well, I found the same thing to be true, Mark. It, um, the, the more I got into searching these, these guys down and, and figuring out who they were, I was just amazed at how many of them were, were maybe even ordained ministers. They were children of ordained ministers, seminary presidents, um, you know, they, they all, You know, we've highlighted Thomas Jefferson since you mentioned him and maybe a couple of others. That maybe were, as you said, maybe more of the most unconventional when it came to Christianity or religion, Ben Franklin, and some others, but they still were super, super, I'll just say, quote unquote, religious compared to the average American now. They were much more devout to religion or to Christianity uh, than what we see now, although we make them out to be like, you know, these just weren't religious people at all. Even the least of them was probably more than the average. I would say now. is that a fair statement? I think that is
1: absolutely fair. And uh, to take a couple of those that you mentioned, Franklin, I mean, both Franklin and Jefferson are probably the two they can point to to say, yes. oh, they were deists, right? Uh, well, let's talk about that for just a second. Franklin, when he was a, a young eighteen year old, did say that he was a deist, but what he meant what he said that meant to him, was that, well, God created everything, therefore everything must be good. Um, But he was very much a Christian. He wrote his own liturgy when he was aboard ship traveling back from Europe, when he was a young man, I think about 20. And uh, he, he also later in life attended the First Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia pretty regularly, but not always, because there were times when he didn't care for a particular minister in that church, and he wasn't big on the carry in divisions and ritual and that sort of thing. But if he wasn't attending, he was following his own liturgy.
0: Um, well, and look, Jefferson when you go back to 18 years old, how many of us probably said things when we were 18 that didn't reflect <laughs> what we uh, uh, what we matured into as the years came? Let's talk more about Jefferson when we come back, Mark. i got to take a break oh, uh, here Priority yep. Talk Radio. We're visiting with Judge Mark Boonstra. Uh, he's out of Michigan. You can visit foundersownwords.com. And uh, get your uh, hands on his work and and this this series of books that he's got out in their own words. And uh, I'm holding volume three, uh, the southern colonies, which uh, are the founders, as he's defined them, uh, from the southern colonies. And so that's why Jefferson and some of those are in there, uh, just based on what state they were from. So let's take a break. We'll come back on the other side. Much more to discuss here on this Fourth of July weekend. And we're glad you're with us. Hang on for us. Welcome back. Greg Davis here, Priority Talk Radio, 4th of July weekend. Hope everybody is uh, very well, very safe. Blessings to you on this uh, independence, freedom-celebrating weekend here in the United States of America. We go all the way to Michigan and continue our conversation with Judge Mark Boonstra. He's uh, written these uh, this great little series of books, three of them, in their own words, and uh, you can find it uh, at foundersownwords.com. I'd encourage you to look at this. If you Want to really learn about the, uh, the the founders of our nation? These uh, how many Mark? One hundred eighteen that you've defined uh, that that signed hundred
1: and eighteen.
0: that 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 signed founding documents. Uh, then uh, here it is, and uh, I, I went through these myself, the the Declaration of Independence signers myself. I know what a challenge it was to find information on them, and uh, these books are are real comprehensive, uh, Mark, but easy to read because. Uh, In this book, gosh, gosh, how many are in here? Probably uh, 30 or 40, something like that. But it's just a couple of pages on each one. Uh, You know, not not that difficult of a read. Honestly, very interesting. It's not an overwhelming read, although the books uh, have a lot in them. You laid it out very easy and organized it very easy for people to be able to, to, to digest it, I do believe.
1: Yeah, that was my goal. I tried to do that. I mean, I, I know it seems daunting to talk about 118 signers and three volumes, but it's not a cover-to-cover cover read uh, of three volumes. No. It's it's read at your pace, one chapter at a time, one person at a time. Jump around if you wish. I tried to make it easy to easy to deal with in that in that respect. So it's both comprehensive and what I like to call bite-sized.
0: Yeah continue that conversation that we were having before you talked about uh, we were talking about Thomas Jefferson a little bit more um, and, and, yeah. and the deism and, and Ben Franklin uh, f- finish that out for us
1: yeah so Jefferson is the other person that they perhaps could point to among these 118 who who they say is a deist um, uh, well let's talk about how I mean they don't tell you how they define what a deist is ever right I mean right. how did Jefferson define? what a deist was. He defined it as someone who believes in one only God, or what we would probably say is only one God, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably true for me and you and most of your listeners, right? In that sense, I suppose we're all deists. But as I said, he uh, he, he grew up in a, in a Christian family. He was a member of the Fredericksville family. Uh, Uh, Vestry, uh, the Fredericksville, then Anglican, today would be Episcopalian Church in Virginia, then of the St. Anne's Anglican Church. Um, As I said, he founded his own uh, church, the um, 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 Calvinistical Reformed Church, it was called, and he recruited his own Anglican minister, um, uh, uh, Reverend Clay, who was a cousin of the famous Henry Clay, to preach also at his church. That lasted for about uh, eight years until he went off to, to France to become the ambassador there. Um, but he then, uh, you know, he compiled uh, uh, the teachings of Jesus, which he called the most ben- ben- beneficent and sublime moral code ever given to man. Uh, he compiled what later become called the, the Jefferson Bible, which was right. a compilation in four languages, of, uh, of what he considered to be the essence of Jesus' teachings. Um, so he may have been unconventional, certainly, in some respects, as you and I view Christianity, but he certainly was a follower of the teachings of Jesus Christ.
0: Well, the Jefferson Bible I always find interesting, because people, you know, talk about how he cut things out that he didn't like, or whatever, but, you know, uh, to some extent, we're all probably guilty of that. You know, we all pick out verses we like, and we post them places or we make them our, you know, we put them on T-shirts and coffee cups. And, you know, we highlight right. some parts of the word above others because it's especially meaningful to us. Or maybe there's some parts of it we don't like either. Uh, so, you know, to some extent, we all probably uh, have been guilty. of if, if there's guilt, we've been guilty of that. Um, mm-hmm. talk, talk to me about uh, maybe one of this. I'm going to come off the cuff here with you. One of these One of these founders that probably no one's ever heard of. But you say, man, this person played a key role uh, in our nation's uh, founding. And uh, why they don't get the more attention, it's just hard to understand. Is there a name that pops out to you when I mention that? Boy, uh, it is off the cuff. Uh, mm-hmm. But, you know, as, as I'm thinking about I mean, I could probably
1: pick a, a number of them. But, but uh, I guess let me give you one. Um, and um, – his name is Richard Henry Lee. Yes. Now, how many people really know much about Richard Henry Lee? Uh, and he had a brother, Francis Lightfoot Lee, who was also a signer, and he's also in the book. But they came from a very um, long standing, wealthy, and candidly slaveholding family in Virginia. Um, uh, great privilege. Um, he became an abolitionist early on, um, and um, and ultimately he authored the resolution of independence in the Congress that then became the Declaration of Independence. So he was he was critical to our founding. Uh, an interesting story is he, you know, he had made some enemies in Virginia along the way, and you might think that it's odd that the author of the resolution of independence wasn't on the committee of five who drafted the declaration of independence it seems kind of a slight wouldn't you say yeah Yeah. (laughs) and um and the reason was as i said he had developed some uh, uh, enemies in virginia Uh, those who opposed him uh, proposed someone else to uh, be on the committee instead fellow Virginian by the name of Benjamin Harrison. Now, that's a storied name in history as well. I think that Benjamin Harrison, who uh, signed the Declaration of Independence, was, I think, the fourth Benjamin Harrison in the family. His son became president, William Mm -hmm. William Henry Harrison, and William Henry's grandson, another Benjamin Harrison, also became president. Very religious president. By them, he was Presbyterian, whereas the family originally was Anglican. But let me re- read you one quote from Richard Henry Lee, um, and I think this was maybe a response to, "Oh, I, I got to finish my thought there."
0: <laughs> Go ahead.
1: Neither neither Richard Henry Lee nor Benjamin Harrison was put on that committee. Instead, they picked a compromise candidate. He was a young man by the name of Thomas Jefferson who now has gone down in history because of that compromise and because of excluding Richard Henry Lee from the committee wow. as the author of the Declaration of Independence. is <laughs> that something? Um, but let me read you one quote from Richard Henry Lee, and I think it was in response perhaps to Jefferson, and Jefferson's focus on reason, and if he couldn't reason his way to understanding something, perhaps he didn't accept it. Richard Henry Lee said this, refiners may weave as fine a web of reason as they please, but the experience of all times shows religion to be the guardian of morals. And he must be a very inattentive observer in our country who does not see that avarice is accomplishing the destruction of religion for want of a legal obligation to contribute something to its support. Hmm. Richard Henry Lee would go so far as to require people
0: to uh, uh support support religion. Are you looking at that in the book, that quote? I am I uh, I am actually you can find it. Yeah, I'm looking for the I'm looking uh, I'm looking in the quotes. What what page is that one on? I'm looking so at it. Well you can
1: find that one, Greg, on the back
0: lap. Okay. <laughs> there you go. Well I was I was there in the go. chapter on Richard Henry Lee. You know and I've I've actually uh had a, an interview on Richard Henry Lee some years ago with uh, one of his great uh, great grandsons, or something to that effect, that was a, a pretty renowned Baptist pastor in the state of Georgia. And, oh. and he, uh, in fact, he, he was his namesake, and he actually uh, had written a book. On his great uh, great grandfather, or whatever, ever how many generations it was, which was yeah. very interesting. He is a very very interesting character. I've read that yeah. book and uh, love what you're saying, but I wasn't familiar with that quote. But I do see it right here now on the back yeah. of the on the back of the book. Um, yeah. So this is if you want to learn about the founders. I mean, uh, I, look, I I made a study of this myself, and uh, gosh, I just wish I would have had this series of books to have helped me do it. Um, uh, I really wouldn't have had to do it because I could have just told you guys to get this book. Um, these <laughs> well, books. Now,
1: now you can do one on the Constitution signers or the Articles.
0: Well, signers, I could. Right? That's because exactly, you've got them all in here. Now you you organize them by state, and the one you sent me are the Southern states. Uh, yeah. So you don't organize them so much by uh, what they signed because some of them signed one, two, or maybe even all three documents. Uh, yeah. So you don't organize them by who signed the Declaration, who signed the Articles, who signed the uh, you know the you know um, the Constitution. Uh, so, but you can you can read about them by state, which I think is a very interesting way to go, because and how they related to one another as well. You can kind of put yourself into that setting. Uh, and so, this book um, includes the Virginia, the North Carolina, South Carolina, and Georgia signers, uh, and there are a lot yep. of a lot of a uh, lot of very familiar names in here, especially I would say in the Georgia signers, because us being so close, the family names run run pretty good. in um, part of the book that did, you... Did you
1: know, i got to interrupt you there for go a second, ahead. Greg, that you had mentioned uh, that a number of these signers were ministers or had mm-hmm. ministers in their family. Uh, I think the ministers most prominently included um, John Witherspoon, mm-hmm. Reverend John Witherspoon, who was a very famous Scottish Presbyterian minister who was induced uh, after a couple of times... Uh, by uh, other signers, Richard Stockton and Benjamin Rush, to leave his native Scotland and come to America to become the um, president of the College of New Jersey, which today is Princeton University. But there were a couple of others who were ministers who hailed from Georgia, uh, and they may not have ministered in the pulpit very long or that sort of thing, but Abraham Baldwin, trained at Yale College as a congregational minister, served as a chaplain, taught, and then became uh, governor of Georgia. Another was Lyman Hall, a signer of the declaration, also born in Connecticut, trained at Yale, became a congregational minister, then a physician, and also governor of Georgia. So uh, Georgia has has, uh, two of them.
0: Well, very neat. Hey, let's take another break and uh, come back. If you got just a few more moments? I want to get into maybe even some more modern issues and how they relate to the uh, to the signers. Is that okay, uh, Mark? You got a couple of minutes? As long as you like. All right. Mark uh, Boonstra is our guest. He's a judge there in the state of Michigan, and we're visiting with him today about his uh, series of books, In Their Own Words, and you can find it at foundersownwords.com, and you can learn about all of those founders who signed the founding documents and, uh, and other issues, modern day issues and how they relate as well. So let's do some of that when we come back on the other side. Thank you for being with us on this 4th of July weekend. Uh, whether you're catching us uh, before, during or on the 4th, thank you for being with us. Hope you're celebrating uh, freedom and liberty and, uh, and, and the American way, uh, which we believe was given to us as a gift from God. Uh, and uh, is a way that everyone should live, is, uh, is in freedom. Uh, we're visiting with Judge Mark Boonstra from Michigan, and uh, he's got a good s- series of books here, three of them, in their own words, uh, where you can find it at foundersownwords.com, foundersownwords.com. And we'll have that at prioritytalkradio.com for you. And we'll also Hey, Greg,
1: you know what we haven't done what? is we haven't given them the subtitles. Can you give them a subtitle?
0: Today's Godless America, What Would Our Founding Fathers Think? There you go. That's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. Well, that, and that's an interesting question. Uh, you bring up in the, in the uh, introduction of uh, Volume 3 something I have uh, commented on several times here on this show, when President Biden uh, will say uh, we're in a battle for the soul of this nation. He says it quite frequently, actually. Yep, and uh, when I uh, when I hear him say that, I always think he's right. You agree yep. with that, don't you?
1: Absolutely agree with that. Um, we are in a battle for the soul of this nation. The difference is, I don't think he and I are likely to agree on who is on what side of that battle. Mm. Um, and um, um, you know, I I've taken some heat for some things I've done on the court, but you know what? Uh, you got to do what's right, right? And, and I, I, I truly think that uh, we are on the side of good, and, and, and we are, we are in—I um, I sometimes say to people, I think what we're experiencing today—and and I, I mentioned I started my books eight years ago, uh, and I thought it was bad then. I could never have imagined how much worse it could get in the next eight years, and where we are today. It's a, it's astounding to me. It's like a different world, isn't it? But I, I've said to people often, I, I and I hate to oversimplify things, but I, I truly believe what we are witnessing is simply a continuation of a battle that has been ongoing since Satan fell from heaven. And the thing is, you, you, you like to think you've, you've beaten evil down, but the thing about evil is, it never quits. It mm. will never quit. Nope. and Sadly, as much as I would like to think we don't have to, it means we can't quit either because that otherwise evil will win, and uh, so yeah, I think we 're in a battle for the soul of the nation, and I think those of us on the side of good have to have to have to fight what we keep going on
0: did the founders from your study uh, did they feel like they were fighting for the soul of a nation as well at that very time well
1: i, I yeah in a way, I think they certainly were and. Uh, not only that, they were establishing a new nation, right? And, and, and that's, uh, uh, you know, kind of the fundamental uh, backdrop of these books, is that they were establishing a nation different than anything the world had ever seen before. And, and truly, I think it's built on biblical principles. The golden rule, how you treat other people, equal rights and they were adamant that our rights came from God. That's why our Declaration speaks of our Creator, why our Constitution speaks of the blessings of liberty. Um, Our system of justice and equality derived from the fact that we are all all equal because our rights are God-given rights, and that's what they were fighting for, and they established something that that the earth had never seen before in its history. Um, and, uh, and many of them spoke over and over again. I could give you quotes left and right about how uh, liberty and religion are, are, are interrelated, how, how liberty depends on religion, uh, and religion is based on, uh, on morality and virtue. What did George Washington say of all the dispositions and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. Um, and, And he said, and let us, with caution, indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. That was the basis of the founding of this country, and that is what we've lost, I'm afraid.
0: You mentioned justice and equal justice. Let, let's talk about that. I know uh, you have a, an upcoming, or maybe by the time people hear this, already published article uh, with Newsmax, and, and, and I'm sure other places, on America's two-tiered justice system. Uh, what is it in that article? Give us the skinny on it. People can go and find it, and uh, we'll even post it up when we see it. Uh, yeah. t- tell us what your, uh, the basis of your article says.
1: So, yeah, as we were on a break, I just got an email saying Newsmax was going to post this essay that I wrote. It's called Our Two-Tiered System of Justice, What Would Our Founding Fathers Think? And, um, and I start out saying, uh, you know, our two-tiered system of justice, many think that's what we have today: one for the elite, another for the rest of us, one for one political party, another for the other, one for the powerful, another for those who oppose them. And I go through and I talk about how the founders would be aghast that we could tolerate that, and I go through what we were just talking about and have a whole series of quotes from John Adams, from Samuel Adams, from Alexander Hamilton, uh, from Benjamin Rush, who talk about how uh, our liberties and our freedoms are dependent on morality and, on, uh, and basically on religion. Uh, and uh, and that that was the foundation for the establishment of this society of ours. Um, And uh, uh, Hamilton said, uh, The fundamental source of all of your errors, sophisms, and false reasonings is a total ignorance of the natural rights of mankind. Were you to once become acquainted with these, you would never entertain a thought that all men are not by nature entitled to a parity of privilege privileges our equality flows from the fact that our freedoms and liberties come from god and and and, and if we are now in a system in this country where uh, some people are treated one way of our system of under our system of justice and other people are treated another way there's something fundamentally wrong with that and our founders would once again be rolling over in their graves looking at what we've done to the country they
0: gave to us. Well, outstanding. We will certainly be looking for that, and we'll let our listeners uh, know where they can find it. Judge Mark Boonstra is our guest. Uh, In their own words, Volume Three is the one I'm holding. Today's Godless America. What would our founding fathers think? Now, uh, Mark, we've talked a lot about uh, extolled many of our founders, and uh, you know, talked about how they were Christian, and uh, you know. Uh, their backgrounds, and you do a lot of that. But let's emphasize the as I studied the the, the founder or the signers of the Declaration, uh, they were not perfect people, certainly not. And uh, many people look back and they they find faults in these people, and they they sort of uh, write off uh, any good they may have done, or act right? like they you know they they shouldn't be honored for the good they've done, or remembered, or that we should ignore the good they've done uh, because they weren't perfect people or they weren't able to uh, achieve perfection in some area of their life or some area of the government during their lifetime. Just just talk to us about the flawed uh, nature of man and and these were certainly just human men uh and, uh and and how people reflect back on them now. What 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 are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, well I agree with all of that. Uh you know, I I only know of one perfect man in history right. and that was Jesus Christ. Yep. Um, the rest of us are flawed, the rest of us are sinners, uh, the rest of us have failings. Um, and that's certainly as true with our Founders as it is with you and I. Uh, so the point of this is not to say these were perfect men, everything they ever said or did uh, is, is correct, they never made a mistake, that's certainly not true, uh, nor could you expect it to be true. Uh, But nonetheless, throughout our history, we learn from history, right? And we learn from our mistakes. You know, some of these men were slaveholders. No one is going to defend that today. Um, A lot of them, uh, you know, uh, 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 turned from that and became abolitionists. But to the extent uh, that they may have, uh, have, have favored that institution at the time, which candidly was not, it was not an American institution. It's been around since the Israelites and before. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would suggest to you that although these men were imperfect, certainly um, uh, it was their principles that underlay the founding of this country, which were which were principles based in religion and morality and virtue. That allowed us to overcome that horrible institution of slavery. That's what allowed us to do it.
0: Yeah, Unlike they, in they some put other a system, societies. they put a system in place that allowed that to be ended. Uh, and, and, it, and it took some years to do it, but the system they put in place is uh, is what made it come about. Is that right?
1: I agree completely. Absolutely.
0: Well, I wanted to to mention that they they weren't perfect people, and you know any of us. Uh, you know, we're all sinners, we're all flawed, we've all said, done, lived in ways that uh, we're regretful of and that, that make God, um, you know, turn his head. But that doesn't mean that um, we didn't do some things along the way in our life that uh, that, are, that are noteworthy, valuable, and are meaningful in the future. You know, you may have been a, a, a lousy employee or something, but you know that doesn't mean you, that you weren't a good father at times. You know what I mean? You can't throw the baby out with the bathwater, uh, and uh, and I think there's been a move to do that. You know, we act like just because they weren't perfect, uh, nothing they did was of value. And uh, you
1: know what 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 is ever perfect? I mean, it's, right. look at look at how science has changed over the years, yep. right? I mean, yep. look how medicine has changed. I mean, Benjamin Rush is a signer who was the founder of American medicine. Back then, they used to do bloodletting. Mm-hmm. Does that mean he's a horrible person that was the best they could do at the time right and you learn from mistakes and you learn from history and you progress what i'm afraid of as a society is that you would think over the thousands of years of our history we would be progressing and progressing and moving more toward good and less toward evil but what i see is we're regressing actually we need to learn from history and learn from the founding principles that our founders gave to us when they established that in this country and that means a return to God in this
0: country well amen and uh, the book it's a a three-volume series in their own words uh, Michigan Court of Appeals Judge Mark Boonstra uh, and uh, the subtitle as he has emphasized had me emphasize today's godless (laughs) America what would our founding fathers think and you can uh, learn about them and their in their own words and uh, begin to understand uh, the mindset of the people who signed the documents? Who literally put their their life and their treasure and their everything on the line uh, to 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 see this nation uh, be born and to progress into uh, the the greatest uh, bastion of freedom and uh, and the greatest um, uh, you know light of the gospel that the, really the world has ever seen, other than uh, Jesus Himself. Mark, uh, just a fascinating conversation, and uh, we're going to keep you as a resource when it comes to these issues, and we'll call on you again, my friend. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much, Greg. I
1: really appreciate you having me on.
0: Absolutely. God bless you.
1: God bless you.